Oh, listen, church, all who have ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church, hear the word of the Lord. A new day is dawning upon the remnant church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church that Jesus is building. God declared through the prophet Isaiah, the former things have all now come to pass. Now I will do a new thing. Will you be aware of it? Oh, friends of God, believers in Christ, that is the question God is posing to you today. The cloud of God's Spirit is moving. Will you move with it? Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour concerning the church Jesus is building is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Now I declare new things. Now I declare new things. That title is taken from the first passage of our three foundation scriptures, Isaiah 42, 9. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. And then in Isaiah 43:18 and 19, God says, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And then Isaiah 48, 6 through 8, I proclaim to you new things from this time, even hidden things which you have not known. They are created now and not long ago. And before today, you have not heard them, so that you will not say, Behold, I knew them. You have not heard, you have not known. As these passages of Scripture clearly indicate, our Father God is a God of new things. That is the overall premise of each segment of this teaching series, which premise is corroborated by a host of Scripture passages in addition to the ones we've cited in this series, as well as by a host of the types and shadows of the Old Testament which we are informed, happened as an example, as a type, to speak to us believers today upon whom the ends of the ages have come, 
1 Corinthians 10, 11. This is Stephen Lambert. We trust you're enjoying this episode of The Real Truth. You can hear other episodes and send us your comments and questions at realtruthradio.com. Prophets, God's Change Agents. In this segment of our teaching series, we want to focus our attention on God's change agents. There is a type of person and personality that God especially uses to be a catalyst for change in both the collective church and individuals' lives. Those who are endowed with this type of personality are used by God to bring forth change, particularly in times places, and entities where it is being resisted, though God has mandated it. As we have been discussing, our Father God is a God of new things. In regard to the establishment of His kingdom on earth, God is constantly declaring new things before they spring forth. It is with His declaring or proclaiming new things, that he brings those new things into being. Indeed, throughout this series, we have been emphasizing that everything God does, he does by first speaking it, declaring it, proclaiming it. And he himself testifies in his word that the word he declares shall not return to him void without accomplishing the purpose for which it was sent. God is herewith telling us that he always performs what he proclaims. Whatever he proclaims, he proclaims in order to perform it in the lives of individual believers and or in the operations of the church. He never speaks idly. The word he proclaims always has a purpose to accomplish, and it is for that purpose that he sends it forth by declaring or proclaiming it. In recent years, with those among God's people who have been exposed to the prophetic renewal, there is an increasing understanding and awareness that it is still the way of God that He does nothing on earth, whether in the affairs of men or in the establishment of His kingdom through the operations of the church, without first revealing it to and proclaiming it through prophets, in accordance with Amos 3.8. God still reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. Prophets are stewards of the secret counsel of God. The Bible makes it clear and irrefutable that God tells prophets secret things that he does not tell other people. Ephesians 2.20 declares unambiguously that apostles and prophets are the foundation ministries of the church Jesus is building. Verses 1 through 12 of the next chapter, chapter 3 of Ephesians, illuminates us to the fact that prophets, along with apostles, 
are also stewards of the mysteries of God, that is, divine knowledge and wisdom, which God keeps concealed until such time he ordains that it be revealed and that it be revealed and released to the church, at which juncture it goes from being concealed knowledge and wisdom to being revealed knowledge and wisdom, or simply revelation knowledge. Though such statements make some people bristle, the fact of the matter is that divine purposes and plans remain concealed in the mind of God until they are revealed to and through prophetic people or apostolic people. The prophetic renewal is reestablishing the understanding that the head of the church still operates through the fivefold ascension gifts or ministry offices, as delineated in such passages as Ephesians 2.20, 4, 7 through 16, and 1 Corinthians 12, 28, just to name a few, and that that has always been and remains to be his methodology and modus operandi, which is further corroborated by the irrefutable fact that nowhere in his word has he made any statements that even remotely approach a rescission or cessation of that model. Specifically, the Spirit categorically states in 1 Corinthians 12.28 that God himself has quote-unquote set, which term connotes permanence, quote, in the church, first, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, end quote. What this is saying is that as long as the church is the church, or in other words, as long as the church age exists, the valid order of preeminence of the ministry gifts in the church Jesus is building is first, apostles, second, prophets, and third, teachers. Notice that the ministry office with which most people are familiar with respect to church leadership, that of pastor, is not even mentioned in this ranking of the ministry offices. In fact, in this scriptural context, the word pastor never is mentioned, albeit it is identified latently in terms of function. Moreover, the ministry office of pastor, to which so much human honor is attributed in the ecclesiastical realm, only appears once in the entire New Testament, demonstrating in this matter, as so many others, that religious institutions today often are guilty of the same spiritual error for which Jesus rebuked the Jewish leaders, saying they teach as doctrine the precepts of men, neglecting the commandment of God you hold to the tradition of men. Are you enjoying this podcast? Would you take just a minute to think about all the precious resources it takes to produce and make available a resource such as this? 
time, talent, thinking, planning, preparing, studying, writing, editing, organizing, recording, audio editing, a multiplicity of post-production and publishing tasks, and on and on it goes. The big professional news and media companies employ 10 to 20 people to produce a presentation such as this podcast at a cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you enjoy the program, would you be so kind as to take a minute and pray to ask God if he would have you lend a helping hand our way in the form of financial support? In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash SLMINC to make a donation of any amount. Your gifts would be so greatly appreciated and used for the glory of God in the production of this program. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you abundantly for your generosity and graciousness. One of those fivefold ministry gifts or offices is that of prophet. The word prophet literally means to speak on behalf of. Prophets speak on behalf of God. While all of the fivefold ministry offices speak on behalf of God according to their anointing, prophets are particularly anointed to be God's spokesmen. Speaking through prophets is one of the channels God uses to communicate to whomever he wants to communicate, but especially to his people, the redeemed, the church. Rarely in human history has God spoken in an audible voice that people heard. He reserves such a radical measure for the most critical scenarios. We know of at least two times he did speak that way concerning Jesus during his fleshly life and ministry. He also spoke in an audible voice on several occasions in the Old Testament era, a few times heard by large groups of people, others by only a few people. And on only a few other occasions, he spoke audibly to certain individuals. In both the New and the Old Testaments, he spoke through angels. But since the days of Jesus' fleshly visitation, God rarely speaks through those methods. Rather, the method he uses for audible communication now is through human conveyors, which is so very consistent with his master plan of doing the vast majority of what he does in the world through human cooperatives. In the main, individual believers and the collective church. Prophets are especially used by the head of the church as channels of audible divine communication. One of the tribes of Israel, the sons of Issachar, were men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. 1 Chronicles 12:32. Prophets are spiritual sons of Issachar. The spiritual inheritance of that tribe is alive within them. 
They have a special anointing for discerning the times and knowing when God is bringing forth new things, new paradigms, and bringing the church into new dimensions of the Spirit. Because they are discerners of these things, they frequently see things before others do, including other leaders. There is a pioneering aspect to the personality and gifting of prophets. They are also predictive rather than reactive vis-a-vis most other people. Most people believe it when they see it. Prophets believe it before other people see it because they've already seen it and its outcome in the spirit. Prophets are still seers. They perceive things in the spirit realm others do not, at least not yet. They specialize in revealing the secret counsel of God in his timing. When a prophet prophesies over you, he is speaking of those things that be not as though they were. Many people do not understand prophecies spoken over themselves or others because they do not understand this about prophecy. Prophecy is often predictive, and in fact, that is one of the most important aspects of prophecy. I mean, hey, you already know what things are right now, right? What you need to know is either why some things happened that have happened, or you need a new vision for the future as a guide in your pursuit of God and His purposes for your life. That's what prophecy does. That's why I'm not impressed when people say, hey, there's this prophet at such and so place who is telling people their names and addresses. Well, friend, If you don't already know your name and address, you're suffering from either Alzheimer's or amnesia, and what you need is a healing, not a prophecy. Legitimate prophecy deals primarily with what we don't already know through our own natural knowledge and reasoning. Legitimate prophecy tells us what we don't know, and only God could know, supernaturally. The Real Truth Podcast is a production of Stephen Lambert Ministries, Inc., whose website is at slm.org. That's slm.org. The main point I'm making is that prophets, like God, specialize in new things. Prophets are change agents. They are catalysts for change. God sends them as his special envoys to declare his intents and purposes and to instigate change, especially when and where divinely ordained change is being resisted or refused. Prophets are spiritual marines. They're always moving on from vanquished territories and enemies 
to charge new beachheads for God. They are spiritual Daniel Boones, always looking forward in search of new spiritual frontiers and forging wilderness roads through Cumberland Gaps into new territory for God. They are antsy, and others often misjudge them as being impatient. They are easily bored with the status quo, are almost obsessed with movement, and detest stagnancy. They are instigators, stirruppers. The prophetic personality and presence seems to stir up the human spirit without trying or intending to. Prophets are forever stirring things up. They'll sometimes stir things up just because they can't stand inanimateness and lifeless atmospheres. The prophetic personality and anointing is about movement. Just the prophet's presence stirs things up. Just their presence elicits reaction from people. And it is never indifference. Wherever they go, demons likewise always react. It's as if they have no choice. When a prophet walks into a room, his presence is always felt. The prophetic anointing charges and changes the atmosphere. Like the Apostle Paul, wherever they go, they either start a riot or a revival. Prophets are provokers. They are constantly provoking people to good works and continual advancement. The prophetic perspective and personality is well captured in the quotation Ted Kennedy in his emotional eulogy of his slain brother said that Bobby often quoted, quote, Some men see things as they are and say why. I dream things that never were and say why not, end quote. These characteristics are what make prophets so needed in many ecclesiastical institutions and entrepreneurial enterprises as well, and worth their weight in gold. People with a prophetic personality are advancement agents. They will keep whatever entity they are involved with moving in the direction of new things and constant improvement and advancement. They prefer evolution, but in places where that has not been occurring, for whatever reasons, they will initiate revolution. They are relentless motivators of movement. They're going to move something or somebody. And if you refuse to move in the direction of advancement they are moving you towards, they will move over, on, and away and find someone who will. They can't help it. That's who they are. In the church, we erroneously anoint, appoint, and knight some people leaders who are not leaders at all. The word lead implies movement. A true leader is a visionary. He has an internal vision of where he wants to go, and he motivates others to get on the bus and go with him. They are forward-thinking, always looking into the future to new vistas of advancement.
Many people in the ministry, including those who are the chief leaders of churches and ecclesiastical organizations, are not really leaders because their mindset and modus operandi does not fit the definition of a leader. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way. They are really managers. And managers are very much needed. But managers are just that. They manage what already exists, what's there now, the status quo. They are caretakers. They will take good care of what is there now and manage it well. But they are right now where they are always going to be. A manager type will never advance the organization toward new horizons and into new territory because he is incapable of seeing it. Vision is not his forte. Now, every entrepreneur type needs good managers, but manager types make terrible entrepreneurs because the entity under their leadership will eventually die because it failed to continue to advance and was not forward-thinking. Accountants, for example, are great at accounting for what you have obtained, but someone who has strictly an accountant mentality will never advance the entity because advancement involves risk and adventure, and accountant types think in terms of safety, security, and the known. Risk and adventure scare them to death. Entrepreneurial types, on the other hand, give about as much thought to risk and adventure as they do breathing. Both types have their upsides and their downsides. Now, when entrepreneurial types connect and partner together in tandem on an enterprise, the result is generally success. Prophets are spiritual entrepreneurial types. If the manager types leading our churches and ecclesiastical institutions would begin to recognize the critical need for the spiritual entrepreneurial mindset that prophet types bring to the entities they lead and begin to, quote, receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, end quote, not trying to quench the spirit by resisting the unique ways he operates through the prophetic personality, gift, and office, but actually receive the reward or benefit of the prophet's ministry, then the church would begin to see an unprecedented dimension of success in the accomplishment of the purposes and plans of God. And that is precisely where God is taking us in the new dimensions that lie ahead. New advanced consenity among fivefold ministers is the only thing that will bring the ultimate fulfillment of the Ephesians 4 objective, quote, a singular, mature, spiritually perfect man, according to the measure of the stature of Christ. End quote. 
The results of that spirit-produced consinity will exceed by light years anything the most advanced church growth concepts ever conceived in the mind of men could possibly ever achieve. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God, all things are possible, and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.